اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم الحمد للہ رب العالمین وصلی اللہ علی سیدنا محمد و آلہ الطاہرین Verse number 42 of Surah Araf, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَا نُكَلِّفُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وُسْأَهَا أُولَٰئِكَ أَصْحَابُ الْجَنَّةِ هُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ وَنَزَعْنَا مَا فِي صُدُورِهِمْ مِنْ غِلٍ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهِمُ الْأَنْهَارِ وقالوا الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدانا الله As for those who have faith and do righteous deeds we take no soul except according to its capacity they shall be the inhabitants of paradise and they shall remain in it forever We will remove whatever rancor there is in their breasts and streams will run for them. They will say, all praise belongs to Allah who guided us to this. We would have never been guided had not Allah guided us. Now, this set of verses uh, refers to people of paradise as uh, contrasted to the previous set of verses which refer to the people of the hell. After, of course, Allah said, that when my messengers come, whoever follows them will be saved, and then whoever doesn't follow, that the, the uh, destiny would be what he described as people of the hell. Now, the people of the paradise, and following that, there would be a sort of comparison and conversation between the two. So it starts the description of people of the paradise by this. As for those who have faith and do righteous deeds. However, immediately this is described so that it wouldn't uh, create any ambiguity by the sentence, La nukallifu nafsan. We ask no soul except according to its capacity. Why this is mentioned immediately after وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ Because الصَّالِحَاتِ with that alif and lam which uh, implies uh, all sorts of, all acts of uh, uh, good and salih uh, may insinuate, may imply that to be admitted to paradise, one should do every act which is good. One should try every field of salahat so that they could be admitted in paradise. Here, actually, the sentence wants to remove that ambiguity, that we are not giving you the burden of doing all acts of salah. If you have faith and you have some salahat, and, of course, according to your capacity. La nukallifu nafsan illa wus'aha is actually a sentence which wants to remove the ambiguity of the, uh, the idea that some ascetics may have and some, some of those people who are very hard and harsh 
with regards to religious duties, that unless you do all these acts, you wouldn't be admitted to paradise. He says that, no, we would not take any soul uh, to task except according to their capacity. Now, these are ulaika ashabul jannah. These are the inhabitants of paradise, and they will remain there forever. However, there is one very, very important thing that uh, even before counting the Salahat should be uh, taken into consideration before people could get into paradise, and that is taking out the ghil from the heart. وَنَزَعْنَا مَا فِي صُدُورِهِمْ مِنْ غِلٍّ is rancor, grudge, animosity, hatred. These things which may cause uh, and will cause between people uh, bad relations, this should be removed from the heart of every person who wants to enter the paradise. And here, as we will see uh, in, the, in the following discussion, this is on the verge of people going to paradise. It is uh, after the people have come all the long way through the mahshar, they have passed all the tests, they have passed the sarat. Now, before they enter paradise, still there are things which are in the heart which would not be possible to exist in paradise because then with that free will and with that great capacity that people have, uh, the paradise would, uh, would turn into not a very pleasant place, uh, would turn to be not a very pleasant place. And therefore, this finishing touch is the work of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We will take out it take out those uh, rancors from the heart. There's a tradition here which uh, almost implies what uh, I just mentioned. However, uh, probably this is not uh, the exact meaning of what Allah means here. It is in Ad-Durul Manthur, As-Suyuti, reports this hadith through the uh, Isnad of Ahl-Sunnah uh, from Hassan al-Basri قَالَ بَلَغَنِي أَنَّ النَّبِي صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ وَسَلَّمُ قَالَ يُحْبَسُ أَلَّا أَهْلُ الْجَنَّةِ بَعْدَمَا يَجُزُونَ السَّرَاتِ حَتَّى يُؤْخَذَ لِبَعْضِهِمْ مِنْ بَعْضٍ ظُلَامَاتِهِمْ فِي الدُّنْيَا فَيَدْخُلُونَ الْجَنَّةِ وَلَيْسَ فِي قُلُوبِ بَعْضِهِمْ عَلَى بَعْضٍ is that the people of paradise, Ahlul Jannah, the people who are going to go to paradise, will be kept after they have passed the Sarat, will be kept in a place, and of course they have had some wrongdoings against each other. Zulamat, they have had zulamat in dunya. The brother has wronged the brother, the family, the friends. They have some rancors against each other, and... Uh, Allah will ask them to take or actually to, to liquidate all those accounts with each other. So if someone has a, uh, has a debt to someone else, he has to pay it from his hasanat, and then they will be level. And after that, when they become brothers, when they hug each other, they 
they become friends with each other, with each other then they will enter paradise. Now, of course, uh, it is very hard to think that after people pass the Sarat, they still have these uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, petty uh, counts with each other. Uh, the best explanation for this is that there is something in the heart which always longs for and uh, uh, has ambition for things which would not belong to a person, for things which others have. This is something which exists in every heart, the envy. And this envy causes animosity, it causes grudge, causes rancor. This envy should be taken away from the heart. And of course, all this comes from arrogance. We had the hadith that no person would enter paradise even if a speck of arrogance exists in their hearts. And that arrogance wouldn't go out of the heart unless it is by the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why Allah says, before they enter paradise, we'll remove the ghil from their heart. وَنَزَعْنَا مَا فِي صُدُورِهِمْ مِنْ غِلٍ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهِمُ Rivers flow beneath them. Now, Allah talks about these uh, rivers flowing beneath them, not rivers running for them. He says why this uh, expression in this way has been mentioned frequently in the Quran. Why tajri men tahtihim, beneath them the rivers flow. Not uh, like, for example, what Allah describes uh, about the, the gardens of this world, just between them, uh, from uh, the, 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 on these uh, on the ground of paradise, these rivers flow. Allah Taala says that because, of course, peop, people, especially the mu'minun, the, the high-grade mu'minun, they live in hefty places. غُرَفٌ مَبْنِيَةٌ مَنْ فَوْقَهَا غُرَفٌ There are sort of huge buildings, palaces, which are built as very, very tall buildings. And that is why it says تَجْرِ مِنْ تَحْتِهِمْ From below them runs these, uh, these rivers. Uh, this is, of course, a good explanation to say that uh, the people of Paradise, of course, do not live just in a forest. They live in palaces, and these palaces are very hefty buildings from gold and emerald and whatever is described in traditions, and these rivers run below them, beneath them. However, when we come to the context of this verse specifically, we will see that uh, these people who are ex described here have not yet entered the paradise. They are on the verge of entering the paradise. And these rivers actually flow from the paradise coming out to the place where they are. They are still waiting to, to be admitted to paradise. And what we can say, if we take the explanation of Allah, what we can say about this is that they are on big mountains, on huge mountains, beneath which follow, uh, flows rivers from the paradise. But anyhow, that's not a big deal. What is important here is 
the sense of paradise which is coming out from the paradise, the rivers are coming, the breeze of paradise is actually sensed by these people. And as soon as they sense this, وَقَالُوا الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ Hadana Lihada. We praise Allah that guided us to this. Now they have come a long way from a very long and tiring journey they have come. They are on the thresholds on, of paradise. They are sensing the fragrance of paradise. The rivers of paradise are running below them. They just uh, uh, have a sigh of relief and قَالُوا الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ Hadana Lihada. And they are amazed that how they came this way, despite all their wrongs, despite all their ignorance and whatever. And that's why they say, وَمَا كُنَّا لِنَحْتَدِيَ لَوْلَا أَنْ هَدَانَ اللَّهِ We would have never been guided had not Allah guided us. It was through His grace. Now, they just imagine they haven't yet entered the paradise, but they feel the grace of God who has brought them to the threshold of the paradise. لَقَدْ جَاءَتْ رُسُلُ رَبِّنَا بِالْحَقِّ Now, what is this haq? This haq is paradise. They were all the time given the promise of paradise. And all through this journey in Mahshar, in the, in the day of judgment, they have been given, given the promise by the angels that don't worry, you are getting there, you are now close to paradise. Now that they sense as I said, the fragrance, the, 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 the water of paradise, they say now, this is haq. This is what our, the messengers of our Lord have mentioned. لَقَدْ جَاءَتْ رُسُلُ رَبِّنَا بِالْحَقِّ Again, this, uh, instead of Rasulullah uh, mentioning Rasulu Rabbina shows that they are now wholeheartedly depending on their Lord. And wholeheartedly they know that it's their Lord who has brought them here. And it's their Lord that should admit them and should give them the permission to enter this haq which they have now found out to be a reality by all their uh, soul and heart. لَقَدْ جَاءَتْ رُسُلُ رَبِّنَا بِالْحَقِّ وَنُودُوا أَن تَلْكُمُ الْجَنَّةِ أُورَثْتُمُوهَا and they will be called. This is the paradise which you have been given to inherit because of what you used to do. Now this nudu, uh, the call will be made to them. Nida is a call which comes from far away. It's not known who calls this uh, nida for them, who will tell them that that is the paradise. Telkumul Jannah means there is still a distance. However, as I said, they feel the fragrance, they see the rivers of paradise running out, coming beneath them. So they will be called Antelkum. Again, Telka is the demonstrative pronoun for the, for the distant things. So, antelkumul jannah, that is the paradise. That's urath tumuha. You have been given to inherit. Bima kuntum ta'amalu. Probably this nira comes from the angels who have been guiding them all through. 
that uh, because in every step they had to be guided by the Lord. And here they don't know where they are standing still. And then they are said, they are told that that is the paradise. You have been given to inherit it. For what you used to do. Now about this term, you have been given it as an earth, as an inheritance. There are different opinions why this has been mentioned in this way. And it's not only in this, uh, in this verse, in other verses as well. Uh, we are told that paradise is given to people as inheritance. Alhamdulillah alladhi sadaqana wa'adah wa'awrathana al-ard natabawwa'u min al-jannata haythu nasha'afi surah Zumar. We praise Allah that fulfilled his promise and gave us the earth as inheritance to inherit. And also in Surah Mu'minun we have Ula'ika humul warithun alladhina yarithuna al-firdaus hum fiha khalidun. They are the warathun, they are the ones who inherit and inherit Ferdos, the, the higher places of paradise, uh, and they will be uh, perpetually living there. Uh, one opinion I mention uh, from Raghib Esfahani in his Al Mufradat, who's an expert in all these uh, lexicography of, uh, of the Quranic terms, he says, Inheritance or, or earth doesn't mean exclusively what comes from another person, what belongs to another person, because this is the meaning of earth, isn't it? Something which belongs to another person, and that person leaves and leaves that property for someone else. That person abandons by death or whatever, and then the, in, uh, the property comes to another person. He says that, yes, this is the meaning of earth, but if we go back to the root of it, earth or inheritance means something which comes to a person without having taken, uh, having done anything for it, having tried hard to attain it. This is the meaning of earth. And why... Uh, the property which is inherited uh, uh, to someone else is called earth because it comes without that person putting any effort to acquire it. This is why it's, it's called earth. So when we say that paradise is given to you as an inheritance, it means that you haven't done anything for it. It is something which comes to you as a bonus. It is something which comes to you as a just something like inheritance that people uh, have from their fathers without having put much effort to acquire it. Now, this meaning can be right and can be wrong. It can be wrong, first of all, because uh, we have to try hard to enter paradise. We have to have iman and amal salih And iman, we may say that for iman we don't, put out any effort, but for Amal al-Salih, of course we have to put out effort. Of course we have to try hard to do Amal al-Salih to get into paradise. So it's not as free as we think. That uh, It's just coming from some, someone else to us. In that sense, what uh, Raghib says is 
is not quite correct. However, in another sense, he, he is correct because no matter how hard we try, we do not deserve paradise. The reward of whatever we do, of our actions, is not something as high as paradise. I mean, the price that Allah is paying for Amal al-Salah and Iman is not something eternally pleasurable as, uh, as paradise. And that is why we can say that this is just an inheritance which is given to us by Allah, like inheritance. I mean, inheritance in the, in the literal meaning in, of earth. That is something which has come to a person without having made much effort for it. In that sense, he's correct. However, this is unique to, uh, to Mufradat, and I think there is, uh, there is some uh, good argument for his, uh, his interpretation. Other exegetes have, say that, have said that the inheritance is what the Mu'minun get from the share of Kafirun in paradise. What does that mean? It means that the paradise is created for everyone, for mu'min and for kafir. Every person has a place in paradise. And that is why the, the, initial, the initial motive of whole creation was to place, accommodate every individual into paradise. However, those people who go to hell, they lose their place in paradise. Those people who go to hell, actually they leave, they abandon the place which is created for them in paradise. And those places would not be left empty. They will be given to the mu'minun in addition to what they earn themselves. And this is the inheritance that they get. They actually actually inherit paradise from kuffar. Now, how much we can rely on this is not uh, is not clear because uh, uh, these verses do not talk about additional share that people take from what they have in paradise. They talk about what Allah gives them for their own actions. What Allah gives fulfills the promise for them to enter the paradise. So I think. Uh, Generally, the meaning that Raqib gives in Mufradat, Raqib Suhani gives in Mufradat, is, uh, is much more reasonable to say that no matter how hard we try for paradise, we do not deserve it. I mean, with our little action in this world, with whatever we, we do, which is, again, ni'ma from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is something given to us free of charge, something given to us without a, a prerequisite or requirement of putting much effort to gain it. The effort is just to have faith and some amal saleh and you will gain it. So this is a mirage coming to you. Uh, anyhow, these are the different interpretations and you can, uh, you can choose for yourself which, which interpretation would be uh, more reasonable. They will be called... The call would be made to them, Now this gives them assurance. That's finished now. The journey has ended. You have owned it. You have come all this way. This means after they have passed the Sarat, 
they have come to that area in which the ghil is taken out of their heart and after the ghil is taken out of the heart they say now you own it this is yours tilkumul janna urathumuha bima kuntum ta'malun now in this bima kuntum ta'malun for what you used to do if we take the meaning given by mufradat by ragab asfahani it means allah is so honorable so generous that he doesn't want to tell us that i have given this to you without you putting any effort this is what you have gained and this is the most honorable treatment than that a master can do with a slave isn't it that you gained it it is yours you gained it take it and it's just like if you want to give something to somebody somebody and they they feel shy to take it because it's a charity or something and say no this is yours you have worked for it and allah here is telling us that you have worked for it take it it is all yours bima kuntum ta'malu now as soon as they get they receive this nada now they are now completely assured that they will enter paradise then they call out to ashabun nar wanada ashabul jannati ashaban nar this is out of excitement this is out of great pleasure and happiness an qad wajadna ma wa'adana rabbuna haqqa fa hal wajadtum ma wa'ada rabbukum haqqa qalu na'am فأذن مؤذن بينهم اللعنة الله على الظالمين. Apparently, what happens? The people of paradise and people of hell sense each other, although they may not see each other here, because Allah says, in a moment on the Sirat there will be a wall between them. which they cannot then see each other from behind the wall wadurba baynahum bisuran batinuhu fihi arrahmah wa zahiruhu min qibalihi alazab and then they start to call each other yunadunahum alam nakum ma'akum they do not see each other anymore they call each other from behind this wall now this is when this wall is established the separation has come this is yawmul fasl the day of separation separation has come now but still they are quite aware of each other and concerned about what is happening to the other party so as soon as they are given this assurance of entering paradise they call out nada ashabul janna ashaban nar we found what our lord promised us to be true Did you find what your Lord promised you to be true? فَهَلْ وَجَدْتُمْ مَا وَعَدَ رَبُّكُمْ حَقَّ Now, what we understand from this is that at this point, the people of paradise don't know what is happening to the people of the hell. Of course, later on when they enter paradise, we see in other places in the Quran that they can, they can be aware of their situation. They can talk to them. they can pay attention they can by just paying attention they can feel the presence of those people of hell in front of them and they can talk to them however here they are absolutely unaware of each other they just ask each other 
أن قد وجدنا ما وعدنا ربنا حقا فهل وجدتم ما وعد ربكم حقا Did you find what your Lord promised you to be true? They say yes. We find it to be true. And this gives more knowledge to Ashabul Jannah that on the other side the things is going the way the prophets had said. Because now that they see this great mercy of Allah, that they see that Allah is giving them the paradise, they feel that maybe on the other side whatever Allah has promised about punishment and hell is not going to be true or is not going to happen. And they ask, فَهَلْ وَجَدْتُمْ مَا وَعَدَ رَبُّكُمْ حَقَّ They say yes. And then probably the people of paradise become amazed. Why? Allah has forgiven everyone because they are seeing themselves now. Despite all our wrongs, Allah forgave us. Why now? These people are going to go to hell. They are then informed. Someone informs them that you know why they are finding it haq because they are away from mercy of Allah because they are zalimun. And mercy of Allah is far from the zalimun. Now there are two issues here. That we have to discuss. First of all, the Mufassirun have mentioned uh, a very small, slight difference between the two statements. We found what our Lord promised us to be haq. فَهَلْ وَجَدْتُمْ مَا وَعَدَ رَبُّكُمْ Now, if, we wanted to, if they wanted to be quite identical in, in terms of statement, they should have said, فَهَلْ وَجَدْتُمْ مَا وَعَدَكُمْ رَبُّكُمْ Did you find what your Lord promised you? However, they don't say promised you. They said, did you find what your Lord promised to be true? We found what our Lord promised us to be true. Do you find what your Lord promised, not to you, promised to be true? They say yes. Now, there's a very interesting discussion, especially Allama Tawatawai in Al-Mizan has elaborated on this discussion, is that the difference is that every promise that Allah has given to the Mu'minun, he has fulfilled. About the slightest action that they were given a promise of reward. Say, for example, about one salat, if you perform it on such and such night, one fast that if you perform it on such and such day, I will give you such and such reward. Everything is fulfilled now. Everything is fulfilled. However, about the promise of the threats of azab, not every bit of it is fulfilled. But generally the azab is there. However, in many instances that Allah has threatened that I will punish, he will not punish. This is out of the honor. And this, why this is mentioned in such an elaborate way by Allah Matabatabai is because of a theological discussion, theological concept. 
The theological concept that we have discussed here before, and that's about al-wa'd wal-wa'id, the main difference between Shia and Mu'tazila, and Mu'tazila and Ashaira, of course. The Mu'tazila uniquely believe that like every promise that Allah should fulfill for people of paradise, for the Mu'minun, every threat that he makes to Kafirun, he should fulfill. In contrast, the Shia and the Ash'aris, they say, no, that's not the case. Fulfilling a threat is not a requirement, is not an obligation on Allah, because this is beyond justice. The Mu'tazila say, if he does not fulfill everything that he threatens, then this is not justice, and it is not honesty. However, the Shia and the Ash'ara say that, no, this is beyond justice. He has threatened to punish, and he doesn't punish. Just like if you threaten someone, for example, to you severe relations with them, if they do something, then you do not severe relations with them. Out of magnanimity, out, out of honor, out of uh, good soul, you, you don't do it. So they say it is not a requirement, it's not an obligation that Allah should fulfill every threat. And this is why, now Allah says, actually this statement very well conforms with this idea. That we, we found what our Lord promised us. And did you find what your Lord promised? Just in a, in a general way. Not promised you. Just in a general way. They say yes. And this is of course mentioned in many other places of the Quran. This is, is this not haq? Is this not what Allah threatened? They say yes. So uh, the difference between the two, the nuance in, in the statement leads us to a very good discussion about this theological uh, concept about al-wa'du wal-wa'id. So did you generally find what your Lord promised? That there is a hell, there is a punishment. Not that there is a punishment, you find the punishment for every act that you did, because Allah may have forgiven mo most of it. But did you, do you generally find what Allah has promised? Qalu na'am. And then, as I said, as the people of paradise would feel that why this is happening to them. Then a caller will announce in their midst. Now, who is this caller? Who is this Mu'adhan? Mu'adhan means someone who announces. And announces will announce. An announcer will announce. That's The oppressors will have la'na of Allah, will have the curse, will have the distance from mercy of Allah. This Mu'adhan, again, Allah goes into a long argument to say this Muazzin cannot be from jinn, first of all. And this Muazzin cannot be from angels. Because in many other places, when such information comes to people of mahshar, to people of resurrection, it comes from people. When they are perplexed how long they have waited in Barzakh, 
or between the two blowings, then those who have knowledge and faith will tell them. لَقَدْ لَبِثْتُمْ فِي كِتَابِ اللَّهِ إِلَىٰ يَوْمُ الْبَعْثِ You had been preserved in Kitabullah until the day of resurrection. And this is the day of resurrection. And in other places, people inform them. And then Allama says that this muaddin should be from the kind of man as well, from themselves, from their own kind. In, it is in this way that they can understand why this is the case. And then, of course, we bring lots and lots of traditions which says that this muaddin is Ali ibn Abi Talib, alayhi salam. Uh, he reports uh, a hadith from Al-Kafi and from Tafsir al-Qummi with uh, chains of transmission to Imam al-Riza alayhi salam about the verse فَأَذَّنَ مُؤَذِّنٌ بَيْنَهُمْ أَلَّعْنَةُ اللَّهِ عَلَى الظَّالِمِينَ قَالَ الْمُؤَذِّنَ أَمِيرُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ عليه السلام. And this is reported in many many other books that this muaddin, this person who announces is Ali ibn Abi Talib because Ali ibn Abi Talib actually is the, uh, the symbol of the mercy of Allah on that day especially in that place and people would turn to someone like him to ask why those people are going to hell. Why those people are being punished. And then this muaddin announces for them that look, because they are oppressors, because they are zalimun, rahmatullah cannot reach zalimun. So they are in, in damnation. And uh, uh, there is... Another hadith from Imam Al-Baghar from Imam Al-Baghar who says one day Amirul Mu'mineen was delivering a sermon in Kufa after he came back from Nahrawan. Mm. Now after he came back from Nahrawan of course he had killed many of the Khawarij, thousands of them. And this of course uh, uh, Concern came to hearts and minds that, well, all these Muslims who were praying, they were killed. And also Muawiyah had started to uh, instigate uh, the situation against Amirul Mu'mineen. He said uh, in a sermon, a very moving sermon, uh, one of the statements in that sermon was that, Ana al-mu'adhan fi dunya wa fi akhira I am the announcer in this world. And on the day of judgment, This adhan, this announcement, which is in Surah Bara'a, that Allah says, uh, in Yawm al-Hajj al-Akbar, you have to announce from this year, from the year 9th, that Allah disowns mushrikeen, and they should not come to hajj from next year. This adhan, this announcement, every mufassir, every historian say that this announcement was made by Amirul Mu'mineen, alayhi salam. You know the story. The Prophet sent Abu Bakr with the announcement to announce in, uh, in, in Arafah, in Mena, to announce in Mena. And revelation came to him that, Ya uh, Muhammad, uh, you have to send someone which is part of you to announce this. And he sent someone to bring back Abu Bakr and gave the message to Ali ibn Abi Talib to take it to Mecca and to make the announcement. So this, he says, Ana al-mu'adhan fi dunya 
in the verse wa'adhanun min Allah wa rasulihi yawm al-hajj al-akbar wa'anal mu'adhin fil akhirah where when Allah says fa'adhana mu'adhinun baynahum al-la'natullahi ala al-zalimin a mu'adhin will call that la'natullah is an-zalimin and this is reported by al-hakim al-naysaburi and by al-hakim al-hasakani from Muhammad ibn Hanafiyah that this Muazzin is Ali ibn Abi Talib. Now there's a discussion about this and actually a denial from Alusi that inshallah we mention uh, next week because Alusi denies it and uh, Muhammad Abdo, the, uh, the Sunni exegete in Tafsir al-Minar, he actually replies to Alusi that why are you denying something which is quite probable to happen? Inshallah, we we'll, we'll mention this next session. Wa sallallahu ala Muhammad wa ala tahiri. Thank you very much, Sheikh. We'll now have um, some questions and answers, I think. Thank you, Sheikh. Uh, when we talk about the people of the heaven can uh, communicate with the people of the hell, uh, so I was just trying to visualize that uh, when the hell and heaven are there, uh, are they going to be completely separate place? Say, for example, if this room is heaven and the other room will be hell, or, or within the whole structure, people of the heaven will feel as if they are in heaven and within the, within the same structure people of the hell will feel they are in hell and so people of the heaven will be able to communicate as I think you said that people of the heaven wants to communicate with the people of the hell they will have some kind of uh, visual uh, uh, effect that they can talk to them is that uh, or how, how yes, is it? Yes, the best way we can describe it is that it's two different dimensions two different dimensions. The dimensions cannot be crossed. However, there would be possibility of a visualization of the other dimension. They, can, they cannot cross it. However, they can see what is happening to them. Of course, not, not all the time. They need to have some attention towards it. And then they can see what's happening to them. And probably people of hell also can sometimes, with heart, effort can have some attention of it. And this is what has come in the hadith, that people of paradise will be shown the, uh, the hell, and this adds to their gratitude. And people of hell are shown the paradise, and this adds to their regret and hasra. It's this type of visualization, not crossing the boundaries of the dimensions, but they can have some sense of it. Any questions from the lady side? Is this book of Mufradat just Al Mufradat title? It's Al Mufradat Al Alfad Al Quran Al Karim. In Arabic? mistaken. In Arabic, yes. By Raghab Aswani. It's a very famous book, and most of the exegetes use this as the source for lexicography and finding the roots of the words and their different meanings and wujuh. Is it available? Hmm? Is it available? Yes, available, yes, yes. Alaikum, yes. The ayat in the middle that you um, expounded on, la tukalifu nafsin illa wus'aha, that 
is usually used to tell people that you will not have punishment um, in this world. You will only be tested to a limit. Uh, the context that you've used it on is different. It tells me, like the Rasul was told, that if the people err, it's not your fault. So, uh, you know, a, a, a um, believer is only given uh, so much to test how he can affect other people's lives. It comes across as that. Is there a huge difference between the two? Uh if you explain a bit further, because I don't really get what, what is the point here. Okay, so you know when you say, mm-hmm. a soul shall not be tested for more than what its capacity is. Yes. Yes? So, say for example, somebody is having a very tough time in life. Yes. And people recite that ayah to that person. Yes. To pacify them, to say that, okay, have sabr and inshallah you will be out of this test. Yes. So it doesn't seem like we're talking about the same thing when you expounded on the ayat in your tafsir to say that this was actually given for the believing mu'minun to tell them uh, that you have reached a certain stage and you are successful. Yes. So it doesn't uh, tally with the explanation that you gave that it is meant only for the people who are already successful, not for the people who are being tested. No, because... uh of course, this is where everything has finished, judgment is made, and uh, means that uh, you had different levels and capacities. Some of you could not tolerate very big tests, and actually Allah haven't made those tests for you, haven't put you through those tests. And some of you have been through more severe tests and you have come to higher levels. However, all of you are now entering paradise at your different levels. Now, when we say, We may look at it in a more general way than just testing. I mean, we have different backgrounds. We have different uh, physical, mental, and spiritual capacities. And uh, some of us may be by nature angry. Some of, my, some of us may be by nature relaxed. This may go back to some physical uh, structure of our existence as well. So we cannot say that the person who is naturally uh, created angry will have the same test as the person who is naturally created Relaxed, and we say that these two people should react in the same way in all different situations. Therefore, Allah would take into consideration all these things our background, our family, our education, what He has given us, the amount of uh, wealth He has given us, the, 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 how much talent He has given us. All these things will be taken into account and then a judgment will be made. This is why it says, La yukallifullahu nafsan illa wasa. So that's, uh, to just to finish off, so it means that the explanation that you've given is in a past tense. Say that you were not tested more than what your capacity was. So is the ayat actually in the te- past tense or is it for generally applicable for people who are still alive now. 
No, it generally applicable because we have it in many other verses in the Quran as well. Okay, it's generally applicable. However, at the end of the day, when the judgment is made, again, this comes into consideration, isn't it? That's how Allah has judged us, with all our differences. Sheikh, thank you very much indeed for your lecture. Sheikh, I just wanted to ask you the difference between the time now when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is removing the rancor, the gil, from people's hearts just before they enter heaven and comparing that to drinking from the, the pool of kawthar from the hands of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Yeah. Um, because I thought that was the final cleansing. So yes, yes. Different. Well, probably this is done through that. I mean, this removing rancor from the heart is done through drinking from Hawza Kosar. Of course, it's not mentioned here, but in traditions we have that this is done through drinking from the, uh, the, the pond of the prophets. It's not only the pond of our prophet. Of course, every prophet has a pond, a house. Our prophet's pond is called Kosar. Other prophets, I don't know whether there's a name for it or not. And they will actually be given the final purification to the people who want to enter paradise. There is no contradiction, I think, yet. Uh, you know, you mentioned about inheritance, two different uh, ideas. One is the inheritance is the grace, because we did not uh, deserve it, but it, we received it as a grace. The other one you mentioned is that it is inheritance uh, from the part of the kuffars who went to hell and whatever was reserved for them came to the mu'minin. And uh, in the past you said that uh, the people in the hell, over a period of time they will be cleaned and then they will enter uh, uh, Jannah. Yeah. So when they come to the Jannah, what happens to that part which has been inherited by the mu'minin in the first place? Yeah, this is one of the, I didn't want to mention this to complicate everything, but this is one of the arguments against the idea saying that they will inherit the, the parts which belong to the, to the kafirun. However, I mean, we can justify that as well, saying that, okay, those places are taken and Allah will create new places for them when they, they come out of the hell and go to uh, to paradise, but personally, I, uh, I I like the interpretation of Raghab more than the interpretation which is given by other exegetes. Any more questions? Okay, I think we're there. Thank you very much, Shaykh. Muhammad Muhammad